Have you ever stopped to think about yourself and your story? If someone were to write your memoir, what would it say? We all seek some level of authenticity, but have trouble removing the labels and finding our whole story. Welcome to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. In this program, we'll explore diverse stories on identity to help determine what is truly yours. Now, here is your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to the show, everyone. It's an unusual time, and today we're going to interview a woman um, about her mother, who was an unusual woman for her time. It's Betty Pembroke Heldrick Winstead. The name of the book is Wave Woman, and her daughter, Vicki Durand, is gracious enough to be joining us from Hawaii, where it's 5 a.m. Good morning, Vicki. So glad you could be with us. Oh, good morning, Diane. I'm happy to be here. It's lovely. <laughs> it's a little earlier than usual, but doing you good. You can do it. <laughs> You yes. can do it. I, I know. I know yes. enough about yes. your mom to know <laughs> you can do it. Um, and and this right. book, this book um, is a, a true, truly remarkable accomplishment. It's a layered view of um, the self, this primarily the surfing culture in Hawaii, which is where your mother um, moved to it very early on. When you were twelve years old, you visited Hawaii and came back with a renewed sense, a renewed vigor. And your mother was curious enough to investigate your passion for the place and went there herself. She became part of the surfing culture. And this book documents both your family and the personal life of one amazing woman, Petty, Betty Pembroke Heldrick Winstead. Her dates were 1913 to 2011, and I feel like I was there. Congratulations! This is such a transporting, oh. <laughs> such a transporting, what? vivid, concrete um, description. And I'm just going to try to give us our audience a little bit of an intro. Um, the focus that is required by something like surfing or uh, activities that your mother took part in, pottery, building things, building her house, the concentration involved. Honestly, I feel as though she's the right woman for our time as well because we need a sense of balance right now. More than ever with coronavirus and fear gripping our nation it's and the world, it's really important to reflect on simplicity and what focus can give us um, in the way of alleviating anxiety um, as we come to terms with or comes to come to ground, as David White would say, with this new reality. Um, we need the positive energies and we need the focus and um, strength that your mother really exuded in her lifetime. I feel empowered by her, and I feel as though by reading this book, Wave Woman, um, we can really tap into her energies and her sense of overcoming, um, overcoming really vast obstacles to become who she was and to become an example for her daughters. Um, I'm also grateful that we're um, on radio, which is one way to stay in contact and connect with one another when in-person contact has, uh, has its risks. So I'm glad that this is a venue that's accessible to all and is free. Um, I'm going to give a, a brief description from your 
publisher, Spark Press, the book Way of Woman is coming out next month. Um, it's really not to be missed. It's going to give you a historical context. It's going to deliver you to a sense of place. It's going to immerse you in the life of a woman who was truly a pioneer. Um, Spark Press says, Wave Woman is a charming and intimate biography, a love letter from a daughter to a progressive mother who broke glass ceilings with simple curiosity and desire. Betty trained to swim in the 1936 Olympics. She eloped on a hunch and learned the tough lessons of love. With an entrepreneurial capacity and a drive for self-sufficiency, Betty found meaning as a sculptor, a dental hygienist, a jeweler, a fisherwoman, a potter, and a poet. In Hawaii, the thrill of big waves crashing at Makaha Beach inspired the 41-year-old mother to pick up a surfboard, conquer her fears, and compete as a champion. Wave Woman speaks clearly to all women and men searching for self-confidence, fulfillment, and true happiness. And I just want to break this down a little bit um, from from my um, experience and context. The kind of resilience that Betty had um, was shaped by her sense of self-efficacy. And this self-efficacy, you'll see when we talk with Vicki, um, her daughter, this is a belief in one's ability to influence events that affects one life, one's life So to affect the events and also to control the way these events are experienced. And there's a thought developed by Albert Bandura in the early 1940s. um, I mean, sorry, the early 1990s. Um, But I really think that um, as Betty experienced in her mid-teens, the force of the stock market crash, the Great Depression, and the sudden reversals of her parents' life, um, she had to survive supporting herself and her sisters when very few jobs were available, especially for women. Um, But Betty devised a plan, and she took incremental logical steps to solve her dilemma. So I I really see this sense of this force of self-efficacy. She made a plan, and she also took control of her mentality. She didn't despair. She looked for the positive. And I would say largely um, she was encouraged by this in this with by her father. Women, on the other hand, were encouraged to become debutantes. So this um, this family was once one of privilege. They suffered this reversal. Betty came through as the resilient survivor and she started setting about um, to, to find ways to practically exist and to thrive and to never forget those lessons that women need to address sustainability in, of their careers. Um, I really feel as though this was also reflected in the life of Vicki. Um, and as I say, she was 12 years old, an incredibly important time for her identity um, to be validated um, and this is when her mother, Betty, um, took Vicky's advice and went to visit Hawaii. And you can hear the rustling papers because we're looking at a manuscript, <laughs> manuscript here. But um, I'm just going to I'm just going to read you um, something uh, where um, you know Vicky, um, you know she started to realize. 
oh my gosh, my my mother um, actually, um, you know, heard the unhappiness in her voice um, living where they did in Chino. And more importantly, she listened to it. Betty decided to visit Hawaii and to see what had moved me. And I, I think that that validation for you, Vicki, was tremendously important. And I think it, it speaks volumes as to how you developed maybe your sense of um, self-efficacy, the idea that you could actually influence events. And I think, um, you know, in this sense, also bring about a new uh, kind of renaissance to your family, especially your mother. It must have been a great deal to you. Um, and I just feel as though you also go through the book um, as a kind of life lesson that writing the book allowed you to see in hindsight that you had the mother that was absolutely right for you um, in your life. And I can see how these two um, forces coalesce at these moments, but also when you learn to surf together. I'm going to give you a tiny biography of Vicki, and then we're going to cut right to our, um, our conversation. Vicki Duran graduated from Punahou High School in Hawaii, already a young surfer. In 1957, she won the Makaha International Surfing Championships. Vicki and her mother were invited to Club Waikiki in Lima, Peru as Hawaiian surfing ambassadors. Vicki received her AA from the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in Los Angeles and her BS from California State University, Long Beach. Um, the subject was family and consumer science. She holds an MS from Oregon State University in clothing and textiles with a minor in adult education. Vicki is certified in secondary teaching and special education. Her fashion sense led her to establish a cottage industry in sportswear and textile, and its products were distributed nationwide. Vicki taught at a Title I school in Wanai, Hawaii, you'll help me with the pronunciations, and collaborated with community groups there for a promotion of education and services. The mother of two grown daughters and an avid gardener and animal rescue advocate, Vicki is now married to Bob Liljestrand, who manages the Liljestrand House in Honolulu. Thank you. And and please come in, in for now, please, and help us, help us from our right. terrible pronunciation. And um, no. the most beautiful thing was when you answered my email with aloha. And um, Vicki, uh, take it from there in terms of what you've heard. Does this resonate with your thoughts? All right. Well, you've done a um, magnificent job of introducing um, my mother and myself, I know, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share the story. Uh, my mother was a woman with guts, curiosity, and persistence. And she believed that anything exciting was worth trying at least once. So yeah. she was a real adventurer. That's uh, great. Growing up, she... Are you are you speaking to me? I'm right here with you. I'm I'm just I'm thank All you right. very much. All yes. right. 
So she, and when she was growing up at about age three or four, her father noticed that she had an amazing manual dexterity. And she was very, he, he bought her a tool chest uh, with all kinds of, she wanted to build things at, at an early age. And I think this bonded her to her, to her father, who was a mining engineer and a very philosophical man, which uh, I think that's where she developed a lot of her philosophical view on life. She was much closer to her father than her, than her mother. And he, he really nurtured her. Uh, she was a sports woman and very competitive and grew up playing basketball, ice skating, roller skating, uh, running through the neighborhood with the boys who were in, who were the Dern boys. We, uh, grandparents of the actors today and mm-hmm. having a, just a fine old time up in Salt Lake and uh, after I her th- father yes no I think I, I feel I, I feel the resonance in this in the sense that um, when you were in your teens and kind of running with um, the surf clubs I mean you were you right. were kind of you were kind of um, genetically imprinting a, a really lovely way to become viable when in fact you were a transplant to the area and um, you know uh, even you know your mother speaks of feeling like an ugly duckling a tomboy those of us who have grown up that way certainly resonate with that but you were also finding your way in a new community and looking for a community in a way of being accepted and um you know, somehow that that mimics your ability to use sports as a great connector with um, people your own age and to gain your own respect and validity through sport. Um, do you feel as though that right. was a that contribution was a common oh. thread? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Because when I went to Punahou, I had actually been in high school. I had to go back to the eighth grade mid year. And they were very immature, and I was mature. So here I was back with these babies, I felt like, and they were all a click. They'd mm-hmm. been together since kindergarten, and they were not accepting of newcomers. And so I really had some friends in high school, Hawaiian football players, and that made me even less popular with the girls. So <laughs> I, I just went to surfing. We lived in Waikiki, and I could walk to Waikiki Beach, and I had a, the, the, you know, the world of Waikiki at my fingertips, and I loved surfing, and the people that I surfed with, I made friends with, and so that was really my life. In, in high school, um, and, and I think I served with my mother. And yes, yeah, that's yeah. that's I, where I wanted to to enter because I thought this um, incredible bond that you forged, this ineffable bond, really. You talk about it in the book, and it's really something um, incredible. You could feel together. I'm quoting. Um, from the book, the ocean's liberating and healing powers. It was exhilarating and peaceful at the same time. 
you and your mother are on surfboards at this moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. We exchanged houses and chatted about the beautiful surf conditions, my mother's building project, Fred's eighth grade science class. Then we waited, looking out to sea, watching for new mounds of water forming on the horizon, the first sign of incoming waves. And then you, you experience this almost transcendent experience, I would say, together of being syncopated in the ride on the wave where your emotions even mimic one another. Um, it kind of gives me goosebumps. You were almost as one intuitively, um, instinctively reading one another. And I, I also, you know, despite this, this incredible exhilaration, I would say maybe it was one of the times when you were more super connected than you even were um, on land. Um, because I, I, I want to venture an idea here. You, your mother was, by your description, a, a woman of few words. And I know that nonverbal communication, the kind that happens between a mother and a daughter, or father and a daughter, certainly in my life, these were types of communications um, that almost bond at a deeper level, like at a cellular level. Um, but in actuality, in day-to-day, it can be re- difficult to read a person like Betty, who was, um, you know, a woman of few words, and she was very stoic. She didn't admit her vulnerabilities as many in that generation didn't. So you were always kind of decoding and re- reading the signals, studying her behavior. And I just want to posit the thought that this is what makes you a great writer. You are great writers, first of all, typically feel themselves to be the outsider at some point in their life. And then you have these great observational skills. When Betty comes in to eventually tell you that she is leaving your father, Ron, which was a, a kind of a lengthy 20-year misfit, um, but, but, but traditional for the time, she, she, you know, she subsumed herself for him and worked together with him. Um, but you noticed the way Betty came to you to talk, that she no, used, no longer used her contractions in language. She formalized her words, and through that clue, you realized her tension and that something really imminent was going to be happening. Um, and I think you had to dig very deep um, through some of the layers of her psychology when you wrote the book to try to uncover, you know, what what was going on with her and what she meant at various stages in her life. Um, and I, I just wonder right. about that as a process for you. We've got about a minute left. This is, we're going to take a short break after that minute, but can... Can you speak to that for a moment? You know, yes, yeah. I think I I think that uh, that even made us closer. That she would confide in me that she that she wanted to leave leave this marriage, but question, but asking was it okay with me? That that I think was a pivotal moment in our life where a parent would actually ask their, you know, their, their child, well, I was a senior in high school, but, but ask if it was okay to get the, uh, you know, to, to make sure that it was, that she could move ahead with that. I love that. I think too, so, uh, it's an, it's another experience which um, gave you an idea of the value of your worth 
and your feelings. We're going to take a short break now, but when we come back, we're going to find out how Betty, Vicky's mother, rebounded from this, and perhaps their tie even became closer. Don't go away. You won't want to miss this. We're on Dropping In. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Has your manuscript languished because you can't find the direction it wants to take? Or have you lost the motivation to finish and polish it for publication because it can be such a big, formidable task? Let Diane Dewey help you resolve your writing issues. Diane's manuscript coaching offers help with sticking points like the arc of your story and how to flesh it out. Finding the inner story and what you want to say. Developing your message, the revelations that become your reader's takeaways, helping to rally the motivation to finish your project, and what to do next. We can analyze, edit, and advise you on publishing. Who are the next collaborators on your writing path? If you seek resolution to these and other questions, please contact Diane Dewey, author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Find her at truenordmedia.com. That's T-R-U-N-O-R-D media.com or on her author's page, dianedewey.com. Diane can also be found through social media. Connect with her through the links on the show page. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to ddewey at truenordmedia.com. That's the letter D, dewey at trunordmedia.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Vicki Durand, and she is the author of Wave Woman, it's the life and struggles of a surfer surfing pioneer that is her her mother surfing pioneer and um you won't want to miss reading this book it will fill your senses with the sights and sounds and sense of place uh in hawaii on the beach with surfing as a culture as a community um, Vicki writes in her book, Wave Woman, Mother and I surfed Waikiki and Makahaha together for about seven years. Surfing was not just a sport. It was our lifestyle, something that brought us together during a precious time in our lives. The ocean's beauty and feeling of being one with nature gave us a sense of well-being. Just as important, it released us from our Quadrician lives. Um, I, I want to come back with you, Vicki. Your mother consulted you before she left her father. Another remarkable endorsement of both your bond and her belief in you as a person and the importance of your voice to her. Um, and um, after that, what happened? Did she experience a rebounding, a rebirth, a renaissance? What would you describe it as? Yep. Definitely. She was free from the uh, grasp of my father. She moved. Uh, they had bought a beach lot. Makaha is one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. It's a 
crescent of sand with the gorgeous mountains and back. And they had bought a uh, beach lot, and she decided that she was going to claim that. And so she moved. There was a Quonset, a rusty fishing Quonset next door owned by some lovely uh, Japanese watercress farmers and they used it for fishing on the weekends and she talked them into letting her stay there while she planned and built her own house on the property next door. So she left this two-story house on Royal Hawaiian Avenue in Waikiki and moved out to the country. It was really the country, mainly just little shacks. It was a farming community and this Quonset had no hot water, uh, no inside bathroom. It was a shower out on the, next to the beach. So you had to take a shower in the morning or before the sun came up or in the evening. And it was not the most comfortable place, uh, cooking on a little camp stove. But she was just ecstatic. She was over the moon with her (laughs) new life (laughs) and right on the beach. She could go surfing every morning while she planned and ordered her her house. She was able to, after working for 22 years with my father, they were manufacturing jewelers Mm -hmm. and she was able to get enough money out, which was not an easy task either from him to to live and put up this house. She ordered mm-hmm. a prefab house from Washington and did all the work on everything that she could do herself. She she did. That, she had somebody yes. That that's the remarkable part to me. I mean an extraordinary part that your mother she was so hands on and I feel like when right. you talk about this liberation, it's almost like she shed like a shell or a skin, something that yeah. re- you, in, in some ways, it's, it's very metaphorical that you came back to, you know, originally this very simple Quonset hut and then, you know, had the, the by the way, the book is laden with wonderful photographs of the house that Betty built, um, completed the prefab house, um, the beaches themselves, there's diagrams of waves um, and how they break. There are maps, there are beautiful, beautiful um, photographs of um, Betty, Vicky's mom, immersed in the water, I would say in her element. And I really feel as though this idea of this minimalism Somehow, Betty had this in her kind of all along. It feels like it came out. She was writing haiku. You talk about um, her haiku, her poems, that, um, and they're interspersed throughout the book, the actual poems, which are, are just lovely. But it's almost the space between the lines that does the talking, um, much like Betty herself. Um, there's this sense of being very, very practical and yet somehow being guided by a kind of a, I don't know, spiritual dimension. She, she, um, she kind of let this, um, this, uh, this stillness kind of propel her and this instinct towards what she was gravitating towards. Um, and I, I really love this passage 
that Betty um, lived by, and you've got it um, in the book, you are today where your thoughts have brought you, you will be tomorrow where your thoughts have taken you. And I just wonder, growing up as the daughter of someone like this, did it seem extraordinary at the time? Or how was it for you? Was mm-hmm. it just normal or how was yes, it? Yes, it just, it just seemed normal. I felt lucky, but writing the, the book, I mean, I knew I wanted to spend the last years with her. So I actually came back to Hawaii and was able to spend 20, her last 20 years out at Makaha with her. And so I knew that was special. And then as I wrote the book, I just, and even today as I'm uh, doing, um, what I'm doing now, it, it just continues to make me feel such a sense of gratitude for the life that we had and the times together and the relationship and she, you know, everybody loved her. All my high school friends that would come out, they were just a few actually that served. They all wanted, they said, oh, I wish our mother were, we want your mother for our mother. So (laughs) she, she really, you know, was loved by everybody because she was a great listener and 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 I think her backing up a little bit, moving out to Makaha, leaving a, a, you know, a comfortable life with, with an income to nothing, basically. Uh, she knew she had a, a career that she could fall back on. But it reminds us that we don't have to live a life that we're not happy with, that right. we do have um, the energy. We can tap our unrealized energy and potential and move on beyond what we think. Uh Mm-hmm. So she never had any limiting beliefs. Right. She just thought whatever she wanted to do, she could do. And, and I, um, it seemed, especially after she moved out of the shadow of your dad, she really, um, as you say, realized these these unrealized abilities that you know maybe are latent in all of us. That's why. It's so empowering to read this book. Um, I think that anyone who wants to get an extra jolt of um, self-confidence and and building this sense of, yes, I know the way I want to go, will just really benefit um, from reading Wave Woman. I also um, think you just touched on something I found uh, equally remarkable is that your mother was very understated and she was not self-proclaiming. She was really a person who who was a listener. She gave deeply of her attention to other people. Maybe this was something um, for you growing up. I know you were, you know, quite close and intuitively connected. Um, I wonder, you know, she invited people to the house. She was had a gravitational pull to people. Your your friends loved her and voted her their best mom or, you know, wanted them to be mom. And I, I wondered, you know, did it feel ever, did you ever feel, I, I guess maybe when you were surfing, you, you reclaimed all of, you know, you say you reclaimed the attention 
um, of everything that had been missing when your mother was preoccupied before. But, you know, you, you lived in a house with lots of people growing up. I mean, from this point on, when Betty had the yeah. welcome mat out. Um, you know, how was that? And did it force your sense of identity to achieve more and to win these yeah. titles yourself? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was great. We, uh, before the house, we actually had more fun out there camping out. We made a big fire every night. Uh, our friends came over. We sat around the fire and we actually had more fun before the house. But, uh, no, I loved it. And, uh, all the, well, the, people that I've talked to, we all feel like it was just a really wonderful time in our life. And most everybody says we would love to go back to that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if, I would say, yeah, I would say if you want to um, share in that experience, read, <laughs> read Wave Woman because you'll get all the, the, the smells, the, the food, the scents, the, the, all of the sounds of the water and the waves crashing and you know this camaraderie and sense of belonging that you felt then I also just love this idea that as you reflect you have this unfolding appreciation and what a wonderful process that is to continually yeah. learn learn about yourself learn about your mother um, and realize the the hidden gifts in your life because you know as they go on in the present sometimes we think oh this is it. This is my normal. Um, and, you know, how do you, you know, with Betty, it seemed as though she always looked at this kind of up, upside, um, this bright side, this optimistic side. And I, I wondered, you know, did you feel that that was, you know, key to her success? Because somehow she interpreted yes. things. Okay. And yeah. how, how and was that? One door closed. As mm-hmm. one door closed, she opened another and reinvented herself. And my husband tells me that, Yo, well, you're really reinventing yourself this time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's the key to, to living a healthy, happy life is you just keep reinventing yourself. You don't get stagnant and, uh, and you move on. When you can't do something, you you figure out something that you can do, and uh, that's what that's what she did. Uh, when you were going through she, your own experiences, did you did her voice come into your head that way to to kind of urge you that way? I think not that I was aware of, but but I must have been aware of it because. I've had a real a life that's been a circuitous uh, journey, um, and so I think so. I think um, without really now, I'm starting to see the par- some of the parallels. Mm-hmm. You're connecting uh, the dots. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And. Uh, one other thing I, I think is she saw the best in herself, which gave her the uh, tools to see the best in everyone else. And that's what people really loved about her. And I think that, that's somehow very unabashed, right, for a woman 
you weren't supposed to feel especially um, proud or, do you know what I mean? There was a sense that women were somehow, uh-huh. they were meant to hide their light under a barrel or something. So to me, that's, that's almost revolutionary, that she saw the best in herself. Yes. And, and I think the physical strength leading to the mental strength, she believe, had so much uh, belief in herself that she, uh, she, it was a, accomplish, she had a feeling of accomplishment. Right, um, right. Which, and, yeah, and sometimes that comes strictly, I mean, sorry, it's, 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 it sounds kind of, I don't know, um, pedestrian, but sometimes it really does come from the physical body. We, we've had uh, conversations on this show with Andre Debus, who, you know, started fighting and boxing as a teenager before he became a best-selling author. And, you know, he talked about the fact that he didn't have any sense of himself before he gained physical strength, started training, started having discipline, started having a sense of purpose to work towards. And I think, you know, here was Betty. She she set out these goals for herself to achieve a personal best. And, wow, it really just um, transferred into her, her sense of self and what was possible in life, really, in a, in a right. kind of inspirational way. I, I suppose it's much right. more inspirational now in hindsight, but it just is extra, it's extraordinarily inspirational um, to read about. So uh, I wondered for you, um, you know, there's a, there was a sense, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking in glowing terms and, and Betty was deserving of them, but I also feel as though, you, you know, there was a system of rewards. Maybe this was more typical growing up um, back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, but, you know, you, you had to, you know, to go to, uh, I think, the trip to Lima, for example, you had to accomplish another goal. You had to swim a certain distance to get a certain thing. You had to achieve things to get another thing. And maybe this was Betty's way of saying, well, this is what works for me. Where do you try it? You'll, you'll feel really great about yourself, too. But I wondered, you know, did you, did you share the sense that, um, you know, the system of rewards was a positive thing? Was it positive for you as a girl growing up? Yes, yes, it was. Uh, well, I, when I won the Makaha uh, Surfing Championship in 1957, I was a junior in high school, and I, I got some attention. It didn't, it didn't um, get the attention that it gets today, and, but it, it really, you know, people knew who I, that, that kind of boosted me up. And finally, people knew who I was at school. Right. And right. I, I did, that sort of ended my, my problems there. And yes. uh, so I think, yes, that was a, a reward. That's great. Um, I mean, it was certainly you know, the, the boy, No, Go not, not many women surfed. And there was only, I think, one, my friend, Kay Howe, she surfed, but... Um, and she took third, I think, in the contest. But I, I got the press in the newspaper, yes. and uh, and the boys, the boys all thought, the boys all knew, and you know, so it, it yes, it made me yes. feel, gave me a good sense of myself. Right, stand back. Vicky has arrived, and yeah. you, that was the end of your invisibility. Yeah. The end of that completely. Yes. 
Um, we're yeah. going to take another yeah. short break here, um, but when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about people who really were visible, who gathered around your mother's table, um, some names that we know and people that she knew as acquaintances, Barack Obama, who signed a copy of his book and inscribed it to her. Don't go away. We're going to come back with um, famous and unfamous people who formed a community of surfers in Makaha, Hawaii. This is Dropping In. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Has your manuscript languished because you can't find the direction it wants to take? Or have you lost the motivation to finish and polish it for publication because it can be such a big, formidable task? Let Diane Dewey help you resolve your writing issues. Diane's manuscript coaching offers help with sticking points like the arc of your story and how to flesh it out, finding the inner story and what you want to say, developing your message, the revelations that become your reader's takeaways, helping to rally the motivation to finish your project, and what to do next. We can analyze, edit, and advise you on publishing. Who are the next collaborators on your writing path? If you seek resolution to these and other questions, please contact Diane Dewey, author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Find her at truenordmedia.com. That's T-R-U-N-O-R-D media.com. Or on her author's page, dianedewey.com. Diane can also be found through social media. Connect with her through the links on the show page. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to ddewey at truenordmedia.com. That's the letter D. Dewey at trunordmedia.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Vicki Durand, author of Wave Woman. It's to come out next month from Spark Press. It's the story of her mother, and um, who was a pioneer surfer, and also a kind of gregarious egalitarian, a person who welcomed everyone to her table, Vicki, you welcome back and, and, and talk to us a little bit about the Illuminati, the special people that kind of showed up, dropped in at your at your house when your mom, you know, got on her own and, and really built her life. Yes. Well, uh, it was a time in Hawaii when uh, very in Waikiki, very unlike today, when it was mainly famous people, heads of countries. Uh, actors, actresses came to Hawaii. So we had first met uh, a very notable Peruvian and he was instrumental in our trip eventually. Who, I mean, he, his father and his grandfather was president of Peru. And we surfed with notables, Jim Arness and Buzzy Trent, uh, Fred Van Dyke, Peter Cole. And these were all the big 
surfers of the day, which have gone down in, in history. And um, it was just a very exciting time when we went to Peru. It was just this club, Waikiki, in Lima was only the rich and famous of Peru were belonged to this club. And it was just such an amazing awakening for me as an 18-year-old to be down there rubbing shoulders with all these amazing people. And they are also so welcoming and so gregarious and so loving, actually. And they love Mother, and we had a a lifetime continuing friendship with them, with all of them, actually. And um, Mm -hmm. so it was a very, very special time. Um, And then we served with non-famous people, too, but Mm -hmm. it was... uh, it's 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 like a great time. Yes, I can hear it in your voice. Even recalling it now, it just kind of makes you have an, a big inner smile. Um, but sports, yes. you know, surfing—it's it's a great equalizer, right? It barriers just sort yes. of dissolve. People from all stripe can compete. Yes. Whether you're young, old, rich, poor, um, I love that your mother took this up at 41. How mind-boggling is that for those of us yes. that are tempted to write ourselves off at various decades? Uh, it's never too right. late. Mm-hmm. Um, never too I, late to pursue a dream. There you go. Um, and and I think, too, you know, you're talking about um, a kind of a heyday. Um, you talk about the surf clubs. And really, they, they sound like great um, arenas of camaraderie and warmth and, you know, hospitality. Uh, do, do these uh, still exist any longer? I'm, I'm just not sure. You know, it's not a world I'm familiar with. Can you open the door a little bit on that? Oh, I don't think they're uh, alive and well in Waikiki. <laughs> Not in the the where we were. I think that's that's history. You know, Waikiki mm-hmm. is it. further down around Ala Moana. There is a group of people that uh, that that serve, but. I, I don't think so. I think there's so many people. You know, there were only 2,000 people when we surfed. It was just the renaissance of when surfing was coming back after it died out during ancient Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And and my mother had a lot of insight. She said, you know, Vicki, this sport is going to be really big. And she said, you need to keep notes because someday you're going to want to write about it. And um, she was prescient. She would, and I think what twenty six million people around the world consider themselves to be surfers, and it's like, oh my gosh! (laughs) And what's not to like about escaping to, um, you know, the sense of both focus and escape that it offers? Right, you get out of your usual environment, right? Get in the world, or and. And there's really an, a, a lot of allure to it. You know, we've talked about being almost nomadic um, on this show, too. And I, I think, you know, once it was, you know, follow the sun and um, and these kinds of um, cultural icons came into our imagination. But you were really, you know, with 2,000 people, you, you, you were really... You really were pioneering, and I, I want to point out that you do a very good job of honoring the indigenous population um, in your book, uh, talking about, um, you know, guides and people that really helped you, also some of the 
um, spiritual values of the indigenous peoples. And also, you know, obviously there's a, a kind of a, a lovely wash over you about learning how to read the tides, read the waves, read the sun, the winds, all of the elements in nature that I think were probably instrumental in their worldviews. Um, yeah. You've, um, yeah. you've led us into that. Is that still an influence in your life, and was it always there? Yeah, yes. Uh, growing up, uh, well, Makaha and Waianae are a very local area, and um, gr- growing up and with with the Hawaiians, I think, uh, was just a wonderful experience, and I still have many Hawaiian friends and uh, it's and a few of of them are still alive at Makaha and it's really wonderful to go back out and connect with them and uh, yeah it's mm. very special yeah. and it's it's very and special. another thing about about surfing is that you 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 exert yourself in um, you, you do something physical and you push yourself and and you your body releases the mix of hormones which make you really uh, it's an action reward action cycle and you just feel wow I did it you make little breakthroughs mm-hmm. and you just end up feeling healthier and happier and you have more it fuels your courage and willingness to, to push yourself even further. And so it's a very rewarding sport. It was a rewarding sport. I just wish I could still do it. <laughs> I know. Do. I know. We're living vicariously through you in Wave Woman. Believe me, the ecstasy that you describe. But right now, also you're talking about it in terms of um, the, you know, the endorphin rush and also the, the physical viability, that sense of building on yourself with many breakthroughs and um, you know, play, the sense of play to me. We have right. now a world that, you know, really values work. And, you know, this this need to play, to become someone, to even the, the, the sense of creating playfully, like potting and um, gardening and, and surfing, where you're, you know, you're, you're employing more of your physicality to become, you know, viable and also to balance out the hours that we spend in front of computers to become kind of well-rounded and um, your your mother uh, there was a description of her from one of her friends in the book at the end about how she had a kind of lightness a, a kind of a shamanistic lightness to her um, and I wondered if that was derived even because she spent a fair amount of time and energy developing her play, her passions right. for play, as right. much as right. yes, right. And I mean, the woman that that uh, actually she was the daughter of the of the people that owned the Quonset, and when they she did a reflection in the book how when they would get to Makaha, the first thing she would do is run over and see what mother was doing, and I've lately reconnected with all of the four Sumita. Uh, children that are adults now and they just uh, they just had such 
wonderful memories of, of mother when they would go out there for weekends. And, and there's a great reflection by Barbara Sumita, who just recently passed away, unfortunately, but um, it's in the book. I think that that's, gives a really good insight to the sense of play and what she was accomplishing. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think, you know, yeah. it, connects, it, it just connects beautifully into the culture, right, which valued nature so much and kind of goes back into an ancient feeling and a very present feeling, uh, a very modern day feeling. Um, and I, I really, um, I, I just think, wow, you know, there's so many dimensions to it. And fortunately, you sacrifice none of it in your book, Wave Woman. You, you delve into the many layers, um, both historical, geographical, personal, you know, these roots that you um, have now back, walked back on and um, have uncovered your own your own memories. Um, I just, um, you know, I want, uh, we, we had a chance to speak and I just want people to know um, you, you, the subtext, the subtitle of your book, The Life and Struggles of a Surfing Pioneer. Um, I, I look at this and I love that the word struggles is included. Um, maybe that's a modern take. Maybe that's a more holistic take because I know that Betty herself sort of stayed on the light side, the bright side, the optimistic side. Um, and you've, you've actually talked about, you know, communicating some of, her, from her, some of her sorrows, some of her outlets for those sorrows, which were physical rather than verbal. Um, and, and I wondered how that shaped, you have two daughters, two grown daughters who, who have children of their own. And did it shape, how did it shape um, ideas about keeping a stiff upper lip or, you know, um, certainly not indulging in sorrow, but expressing it, perhaps? Has that evolved in your family? Um, let's see. I, uh, that's, a, that's a tough one right now. Let me think. Um, I, I, I mean, think so. Uh, I think my daughters both have... Uh, not much to be sorrowful about. They're, they're, they've sort of risen to a, a level at the present time. You know, we don't, uh, life is, I think, uh, a series of uh, struggles. At, at some, you don't have it at one point. You're going to end up with it at another point. But I think they've both been fairly struggle-free from um, right. what I can tell now. I've had some struggles, yeah. But, but let me... Um, move let me, on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> did I answer it, or did I, Absol- I didn't go Absolutely. Enough, really. You did. Um, you absolutely did. We're going to reframe that as challenges that you rose to. Thank you, Vicki Durand. The book is Wave Roman, The Life and Struggles of a Surfing Pioneer. Wavewomanbook.com is Vicki Duran's website. You can also get the book at ghostsparkspress.com. Facebook, Vicki Duran. Instagram, Wavewomanbook. Twitter, at Woman Wave. The publication date is April 2020. Aloha, Vicki, and be well. Thank you. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then.